Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. A reset of the prophetic movement is upon us. The second wave of prophets is rising in this hour. We stand at the edge of a new era in the prophetic. We're gathering the international prophetic community at the Global Prophetic Center, a hub for prophetic training, prophetic labs, summits, networks, and lighthouses. It's time for prophets to go deeper. It's time for seers to soar. It's time for prophetic voices to rise up and decree what says the Spirit of God with accuracy that causes the world to pay attention. The Global Prophetic Center offers proven prophetic systems and structures to equip you to walk worthy of your calling and to prophesy with precision, boldness, diplomacy, and wisdom. Get hands-on training and mentoring in a safe environment that breeds true prophetic community and learning. Receive impartation and activation. Sharpen your gift and avoid prophetic pitfalls. Get commissioned. Get networked. Get sent out with the word of the Lord in your mouth and the confidence to release it. Begin your journey today by applying at globalpropheticcenter.com. Hey. God bless. I want to talk to you today about identifying or the key identifier in helping you recognize your spiritual parent or spiritual mother or spiritual father. What is the main identifier that will help you acknowledge and see and know when someone is your spiritual dad or spiritual mom? All right. Sometimes I wake up and I have these uh, revelations that I want to share online. Um, and t- the topic of spiritual paternity, um, I vaguely, rarely talk about it because I believe spiritual paternity is a personal decision. It shouldn't be forced upon any community of believers. Forcing spiritual paternity could lead to can lead to a Jezebel incident, or can lead to a very, very, very bad, very bad departure. All right, so um, so I want to talk to you today about how to begin to identify uh, or what is what is the main identifier for what is the main identifier for recognizing someone as a spiritual mom or spiritual dad? Now, um, if you saw this message on Facebook then I'm going to be repeating it. But for those of you that haven't seen it, um, and this is going to be the first time you're hearing it, you're going to be absolutely, absolutely blessed. First of all, let me say this. Um, I believe in spiritual paternity, um, but I am not a spiritual parent's Puritan. All right? Which means I don't believe that if you don't have one, uh, you can't function. I don't believe that if you... If you don't have one, you're unauthorized or can't uh, move in ministry. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I believe God is our father. I believe the Holy Spirit is our comforter. Um, and there are no scriptural references that indicate that if you don't have a spiritual father or mother, um, that your ministry cannot be validated and your ministry cannot grow, that you're just a, you're an orphan 
and that anything you say outside of that is coming from a place of orphan spirit. No, I don't believe that. There's no scriptural references that actually uh, uh, that actually talk about that. All right, um, but I would say this: um, that um, if and when the Lord does bring someone uh, in your life to that capacity, let me say this: that some of the most greatest ministers that I've met are those who are mentally sound, emotionally stable, because they have had in their life and presently still have a spiritual father or spiritual mother that has walked with them uh, throughout the years and continues to walk with them until the Lord calls them home or until the Lord says the assignment is done. All right. So, Third thing I want to say is this. Don't force it. Don't rush it. Uh, be patient. The Lord will find that person for you. All right? Now, maybe I should do another topic, another, another broadcast to help you distinguish between midwife, forerunner. Man, I think I should do something like that. Midwife, forerunner, um, and talent recruiter. All right, because sometimes what we think we have as a spiritual mom or spiritual dad is nothing more than uh, a midwife, someone who birthed you, someone who helped you give birth. A uh, forerunner, it means someone who opens doors for you. Um, and number three, uh, what did I say number three was? Oh, man, it slipped my mind. All right, so forerunner. Okay, forerunner. Um, yeah, so talent recruiter. Okay, someone who helps identify your giftings and properly places you on a team so that you can begin to exercise your gifting, all right? So um, let me just kind of help you with this. Okay, the, 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 uh, the midwife is someone who came alongside um, and helped you get pregnant. This is what I'm saying. They are what Noemi. Noemi told Ruth how to get Boaz to Lyca. Did you catch it? So sometimes the Lord will bring you a, no, a, a knowing me, someone that can help you make the right movements to get pregnant spiritually or to, or to marry into something, right? Um, the Bible says that Moses was birthed through a midwife, which means the midwives come and they help the mama push, all right? And they make her and they help her not die during childbirth. Okay. The forerunner is someone who comes alongside and opens doors for you. They are the announcer. And that's where I think most people kind of mess up because just because someone opened doors for you and announced you doesn't mean that they're the Christ. It just means that they're a John the Baptist. John introduced Jesus to the world, but John was not his dad. Did you catch it? John opened doors for Jesus. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, he was the greatest forerunner. He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He even gave him some disciples. He said, hey, man, take me. You go with him. You go with him. All right. And then what happens is you don't see John trying to own Jesus. You don't see that. You know, and that's a whole other topic in and of itself. And the talent recruiter, uh, the talent recruiter is an Ananias. 
the Ananias to Paul. Uh, God told Ananias, go lay hands on Saul because he's a vessel and I'm going to use him for this. So the Ananias has come in your life. They baptize you. Uh, they birth you into your destiny. But we don't find Ananias being Paul's spiritual father. All right? We don't find Ananias people. And I think sometimes we get confused with that stuff. Even sometimes certain apostles get confused with that stuff. You know? You know what? I think I might just do this revelation with recruiter. Uh, but uh, the, the, the talent recruiter sees the giftings, properly places you. Sometimes they could even be all three. They could be the midwife, John the Baptist, and Ananias. But they're not necessarily your mom or your dad. So then what is the sign? What is the sign that can help you identify uh, when someone is your spiritual parent? Turn me to John chapter 8. I'm going to give it to you. Let's get into the scriptures. Okay, I'm looking at my pool in the back and some of my leaders are over there. I see Pastor Saul and... Okay, these folks just showed up to my house, didn't even ask. They just like, we going to we going to Apostle House. And they jumped in my pool. All right. <laughs> Turn me to John chapter 8. <laughs> Amen. John chapter 8, verse 41. Some of my pastors, they're crazy. Uh, they just show up. <laughs> All right. John chapter 8. Watch this. What is the main what is the main sign? To help you identify. Verse 41. Let's read it. Red letter. Jesus is talking. Look what it says. It says, no, you are imitating your real father. But they replied, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself. God. Uh, God himself. Man, I'm fierce with the blocking. So how quick I blocked that. Jesus. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I, because I come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Verse 43. Why can't you understand? Uh, why can't you understand what I am saying? It's because, it's because you can't hear me. Four, verse 44, for you are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of of lies. <laughs> Verse 45, context of what I want to talk to you today about. So when I tell you the truth, this is Jesus talking, when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Bang. That's what I want to talk to you today about. It's found in verse 45. Let me read it again. I'm going to give you one sign. It's found in verse 45. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Sign number one to help you identify when someone is uh, your spiritual parent 
is, watch this, it is not built on revelation. It is not built on promotion. It is not built on purpose and inheritance. This is the sign, and number one, the other, the other that I mentioned are oh, part of it, but the sign number one that you would know that someone is your spiritual parent is that the relationship flows naturally. It's not coerced and it's not forced and you don't have to think about what you're going to say when you're in the relationship. You miss what I just said. The verse here says, so when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Sign number one is this. If the relationship is systematic, coerced, forced, they are not your spiritual parent. Which means if you have to say, let me call them so that they don't get offended. Let me call my mom because that way she don't feel like I don't care. Then that's not your spiritual mom. That's not your spiritual mom. No, no, no. If you're calling because you're like, man, I want to tell them how much I love them. I haven't spoke to them. But if you're calling, like, let me call them because I don't want them to get offended. That is not your spiritual parent. When you get together with the person and if you have to prearrange what you're going to say, systematically now make sure you say this okay make sure you talk like this make sure that uh make sure that you act like this if everything that you do is prearranged and coerced in your mouth in your thinking and the way that you act you are in the wrong covering you're trying to make it work but it's not working did you catch what i just said you're trying to make it work but it's not working when you are in a relationship that God ordains, uh, when you are in a relationship where God ordains, the relationship just flows. If you find that you're always mad, if you find that they're always mad, and the relationship is like this, okay, then the relationship is not from God, but they fall into the other three categories. They're either your midwife, your forerunner or your talent recruiter. Okay, but when God places you in a relationship with someone, it flows naturally. It even, watch this. It, now, watch this. Even if you're mad at them, let me tell you something. If you're in a relationship with your covering, you could be mad at them. There's nothing wrong with being mad. You could be mad at them. But even when you're mad, it still flows. Do you see what I'm saying? But if you're mad and the conversation and the relationship, it's, like weird and the relationship is more like you have to you have to make yourself keep the conversation uh keep the conversation going keep the relationship going keep the relationship going uh then and it's not flowing cohesively then that's a major sign and let me tell you something Save yourself the trouble of joining that. Don't join that covering if that's where you're at and you're thinking about joining them. But every time you talk to them, it's a little bit, mm, okay, this is a little weird. You know, if you find that when you get around a group of people who are in a covering, you have to change your language and it doesn't flow naturally. You're just like, well, let me give you an example. If you come to my house, um, you're going to find very easy that deliverance is in the 
in the very air that we breathe. Now, we don't do deliverance all the time. My house is not a deliverance church, but we just, just deliverance is just strong in my house. If you come in the house, you're going to find very quickly the language of spiritual warfare. Like the devil's a liar, man. Man, I bond the devil. You know say, but if you find that you have to come around and make yourself say things like that, like, man, I bind the devil. Okay, I guess they say bind the devil a lot here. Okay, make sure that you say bind the devil, bind the devil. So you get around and you start talking the language. You might fool me. You might fool the house, but it's not flowing. It's not flowing. I've always told people, you minister from the place of embrace. If it hasn't fully been embraced, then don't speak it. Because when you speak it, it's given the appearance that you are and you're really not. Did you catch did you catch what I just said? Meaning, if you start talking, I bind the devil. I, you know, the devil is a liar. And then we start putting you in deliverance sessions and you're like, what the heck am I doing in the middle of this? I don't want to do no deliverance. Well, baby, you fooled us. But why did I fool you? Because you were talking the deliverance language. You were talking the language. Did you catch it? So if you find that there is a, there is a control of behavior, unspoken behavior modification that you find is making you do it as opposed to flowing. If you feel like you have to say mom, you know, and this happens a lot with people that come out of religious churches and then they go to an apostolic church and everybody calls the pastor, the, the first lady of the house, mom. People be like, what the heck? I ain't going to call her mom. I got a mom. My mom is my mom. And then you'd be surprised how many people follow the crowd. You'd be shocked. Or you get the other crowd of trying to prove that they're not following the crowd. So they'll just be like extra loud when they talk to you. They'll be like, hey, pastor. And really, they're just trying to let everybody know, like, I ain't scared to say, I don't have to say mom. You're saying, like, I've I, I seen it all the time. Like, it's funny, but, you know, overcompensating still means you're scared. You know, I ain't scared of nobody. I'm going to be mad loud. That means you're still scared. All right? <laughs> doing the opposite of what you say that you're not scared of, doing it loud, actually is a sign that you're still scared. You're just trying to, do you see what I'm saying? Because it's not flowing. Everything that has to do with covenant relationship has to do with flowing. It has to flow. It has to flow naturally. The relationship, that is why I don't believe that you meet somebody and six months later, you're calling them your spiritual parent. I'm here to tell you that if that's what you did, that that wasn't real. You want something from them. Even though you say you don't, you want something from them. Let me give you an example. My spiritual son... Apostle Jason Walsh. He might be watching. Um, and his wife, Pastor Sonia, it took them two years to get me to open up. I almost didn't open up. Two years, they were pushing, loving on me. And I was like, I don't know you, man. Like, I don't know you like that. I'm getting to know you. Two years went by. And he was like, loving on me. And the relationship was growing. And even that, I still wasn't opening up. I was like, hmm. I don't really know you like that. You know, it wasn't until eventually he broke through. I've slept over his house for a week in his children's room when I'm out in Cali. We sleep with them. You know how long that took? 
to get to that place, to get me, the New Yorker, because we don't open up to nobody and we don't sleep in nobody's house like that, you know, uh, two years. It took me so long to open up that Ma Mama Pagani was like, yo, you need to open up a little bit because I think they done proved every test. They jumped over every hurdle. They are pure. Like, what is your issue? You know? And, um, and finally, finally, I opened up, you know, and I can have days. And, and let me tell you how you open up. The, this is how you know you can open up. That you can, this is how you know you opened up when you can open up. And your office is not in question. I'm here to tell you, member or apostle or pastor, transparency might feel good, but everybody might not be ready. Let me give you an example. Let me say this to you. Your pastor doesn't know what to do right now with the church. I'm just telling you, whoever your pastor is, I know for a fact they don't know what to do. Why? Because nobody has gone through a pandemic before. Right now, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. Now, they have to fake like they do and be up there on Sunday online with the smiles and all of that stuff. Haven't you noticed that the first lady hardly has been on? Because... They are just as nervous as you. All right? Watch this. Now, to the world, they have to fake it because they are the leader. But when they're around their real spiritual children, they can be honest or their core staff and say, pray for me. I don't know what to do. And no one look at them as, what do you mean you don't know what to do? You're the pastor. What do you mean you don't know what to do? Nobody knows what to do. Let me give you an example of, of how this is so tricky. Yesterday, no, two days ago, one of my pastor friends who happens to be white told me that his church reopened two weeks ago and now they are on a coronavirus outbreak in their church and they protected themselves and the church with every measure of protection that they was out there. Social distancing, all of that stuff, wipes, sanitizers, you know, white folks don't play. And he just told me just two days ago. He told me two days ago that there was an outbreak of five people, including the pastor and the associate pastor. They got hit. They didn't have it before. They decided to reopen. And they closed down. When everybody closed down, they reopened. There's an outbreak in his church. Today, today, I reached out to my pastor friend to tell him that we were praying for him. Me and my wife were praying for him last night. And he tells me that his wife just got a fever. Watch this. And then he said the number is now up to 10 people in his church. 10. Simply because he reopened two weeks ago. Based on the state telling him he could reopen. And he's in Alabama. He's in Alabama. I'm in New York, the epicenter of the virus. I'm in New York. And my zip code, 10467, for my church is the highest in the Bronx third highest in New York City. So now we were kind of planning on reopening. We weren't going we to reopen in June. We were kind of ready to revisit in July to have that conversation. Now I'm stuck with I don't know if I'm going to do July now because nobody in my church has died from it. See? So watch this. Now I'm like Okay, I'm in a catch-22 here. What the heck do I do? 
You know, like, now guess what? Everybody, now the only difference between me and other people is I don't care what my leaders say. If I don't feel like opening the church, I shut it down. Like, I, I don't even hear that. I'll be like, we're not being at church. I'm a little different. All right, I'm a little bit more gangster when it comes to that. I'll be like, we don't have a church. I don't care what y'all say. <laughs> and I mean that, you know, because they wanted me to open a little, they wanted me to open in July. You know what I'm saying? Oh, hell no. I'm not opening in July. I don't care what y'all say. <laughs> not opening. I'm a little bit different. You know what I'm saying? That's that Bronx stuff. Okay, now watch this. Um, but every pastor can't tell a son or daughter in the church, man, I don't know what, uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't know what to do. You know why? Because there are some sons and daughters that really, they don't see it, but they love optics. Who doesn't like their spiritual parent to be a fearless Joshua generation pastor? Oh, that is great to promote on Facebook. Look at my pastor. My church is not shook. You know, there are people that, they might say that they're not like that. They love the optics. They love to be able to say, my pastor ain't scared, man. My pastor ain't scared. See what I'm saying? So now, if you begin to show as a leader to the wrong son, to the wrong daughter, that side of you, you could, you could open a can of worms where the relationship goes from organic to friction, to, to friction and to mechanical, better word, from organic to mechanical. And then your leaders will end up saying things like this. I hate when leaders say this because it, it's just, it's a, it, they're running from what they want to say. When they say things like this, well, you're the apostle. This is your church. Whatever you say goes. Oh, when the, any leader tells me that, I'll be like, no, no, no. What do you say? You're the apostle. Whatever you say. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't say that. Tell me what you're really feeling. You gotta, you gotta draw that information out. You gotta, but when you have a real son, they'll tell you, "Mom, this is what I think," and then they'll say, "But you're the pastor." Do you see what I'm saying? It flows naturally. It flows naturally. Write it in the chat room. Flows naturally. Flows naturally. If the relationship doesn't flow naturally, they're not your spiritual parent. Learn that before you say, I embrace you as my mama and my dada. That's why I know that people that have been with me long time, I know that they love me. And I know that I'm their spiritual dad or mom, even if we get mad at each other or whatever. You want to know why? Because if they could stick around a long time with this, with, I'm talking about Pagani, Alex, and still be like, I'm out of here, but still be around, then I know that they, then the relationship is real. The relationship is real. You see what I'm saying? That's why most people don't last in a covering more than three years. First year is the honeymoon. The second year is the dreams. And the third year is the departure because of the dreams. Let me just share something with you. Nobody lasts more than three years in a covering. First year is the honeymoon. You love everything about your covering. The second year, 
the negative dreams about your covering start happening, and it's usually with your spouse. And if you're single, it's usually with you. You start dreaming with snakes, scorpions, all of that stuff, and God is trying to. And in the third year, the married couple leaves because the couple is tired of arguing about the covering, and they bounce. And it doesn't last longer than three years. The honeymoon, the dreams, the departure. All right, you want to know why? Because the relationship was never built on natural selection. It was beheld on behavior modification. I'm done, guys. John chapter 8, verse 45 says, You don't believe me. You don't naturally believe me. Let me read it again to you. Let me read it again to you. So when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. If it's not flowing naturally, then don't say, that's my mom or that's my dad. If it flows naturally, even if, I mean, natural means that you could still be mad at them. But you know you're not going. Let me give you an example. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. This is, here's another scripture that Holy Spirit just gave me just now. Remember when Jesus said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And the Bible says that most of the disciples left him. And then he turned to the 12 and said, you're going to leave me too? What did Peter say? Peter didn't know what Jesus meant by eating flesh. But he said this. He said, uh, he said uh, where am I going to go? Only you have the words of eternal life. That is true son. True son. You have gifts. God expects you to use them. If you need training to school your gift, log on to schoolofthespirit.tv. You'll find training in spiritual warfare, prophetic ministry, prayer, seer's ministry, writing, and so much more. Go to schoolofthespirit.tv today. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.